Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. It's December, and December means you should not donate to the Dork Forest. You should donate to the Dork Forest next month. But this month, you should find a food bank and donate to a food bank because people enjoy food. And you probably have some, so you could throw them the 10 or 20 bucks that you were going to throw the Dork Forest and uh, and get on it. Anyway, you uh, let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song at the beginning of the Dork Forest. He sang it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. When will they marry? When? Anyway, he'll sing again at the end, uh, the Mexican hat dance, words that he made up to it. Patrick Brady will fix this audio, doing vital work, and Vilmos fixes my website, JackieCation.com. Speaking of which, if you want to buy something uh, from Amazon, which we all do, there is an Amazon banner on JackieCation.com. It's a portal into Amazon. You then do your regular ordering, and then I get a kickback. Dork Forest gets a kickback. And uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and it's just a way to support the, the show whenever you order from Amazon. If you want to order stuff for Christmas, uh, please do it now, uh, I say, because the time has come. You have about a week, I think, to order stuff. I have some hoodies. I have in stock, like two of each of each size, small through double X, if you want to order those. Those are $50 domestic. That includes shipping. All of my prices include shipping uh, or $60 international. And then there are CDs and DVDs and Dork Forest t-shirts and Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts all on JackieCation.com. So you can order merch if you want. The, the banner has been spoken of. The credits have been spoken of. This week in stand-up comedy, I'm going to Aspen, Colorado. And then for New Year's Eve, I'll be in Phoenix opening for Brian Regan at Comerica something which I guess is a giant, giant venue and will be hilarious to do stand-up comedy at that place. Other than that, thanks a lot for tuning in, you guys. I hope you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful holiday, whatever it is. And if you don't have a holiday, I hope you have some nice peace in your lives. And let's get into it. Hello, Rangers. My name is Joe Wilson, and some of you might recognize my voice from the first two years of The Dork Forest when I co-hosted with Jackie. I left the forest to tell stories, and I'd like to tell you one. This story is both a live-action series and a graphic novel. The live-action series has cast members like Marsha Wallace, who was the voice of Edna Krabappel on The Simpsons, Kirsten Vangsness, who you might know as Penelope Garcia on Criminal Minds. The story is about Don, a hitman who dies, does the whole light at the end of the tunnel thing, and hears the voices of people he killed, and comes back to life very inspired not to die. Ever. So he arranges to become a vampire, and never planned on biting his wife, but then he got hungry, and his wife bit her mother, who is now moving in for eternity. Vampire Mob. It's a comedy, a drama, has a little action, a lot of swearing, <laughs> and uh, you can watch and read it right now for free at VampireMob.com. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it. VampireMob.com. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest, sitting in my living room. Very exciting. Kelly Carlin, you're a beacon of hope. Oh, wow. You're a dork luminary. <laughs> you are out there trying things. I am. You're a flower. I'm an explorer. You're an explorer inside your own consciousness. Completely. And sometimes, yes, mostly inside my own house. Just recently in the last few years, I've actually left the house exploring. Oh, congratulations on <laughs> I was getting a little agoraphobic. I was agoraphobic in my 20s horribly, so. Oh, for reals? Oh, for reals. Oh, yeah. that is. Uh... Yeah, for reals. Like, had to go, like, when I would go to the supermarket, I would find people who that I thought look like doctors or nurses yeah so that in case i did die in the produce section or pass out there'd be someone with medical training there for that me that is an obsessive compulsive sort of i'm gonna follow that gentleman looks like he's competent yep. were i to pass out yes that is a that's a hell of a way to shop my friend it was not it's fun not fu- well i bet how did you shake it do you have any idea uh well i shook the uh i shook the cocaine uh addiction around it oh, and shook was- the first husband who that encouraged was it, that possibly. was kind of creating all of the anxiety, and I didn't 
I didn't do the drugs that normally people do. I just did a lot of talk therapy and. Right, because you had been doing drugs. <laughs> yes, I've been doing the drugs that were causing it and I decided I don't need to do any more drugs. Right, right. So yeah. it was sort of artificially created, sort of like a little squid that was on top of it. It was, brain. but if anyone who has panic attack syndrome knows, the minute you have a panic attack, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy because I had one in my car yeah. and then every time I got near my car or thought about driving, I would have one and then right. in my car. So it becomes a, uh, just a, a parade a of clusterfuck mind game. You know, I never had panic attacks mm, until I did last comic standing. Oh. Yeah. There's nothing like something to really make you doubt yourself is to have a camera shoved in your pie hole for seven hours and constantly someone asking some variation of, what do you think's going to happen if you don't win? Ugh. And the first 3,400 times they ask you that, Jesus. you go, well, it turns out I'm still going to do stand-up comedy. But when I left the the program, I... Literally, by that time, I was like, what will happen if Mm. I don't win? Oh, I guess I didn't win. And so I had three full-blown panic attacks on stage. One of them, hello, during a corporate. Uh, Guess who did not get any sort of a bump? Mm. Uh, They paid me silently Mm. after the program because I, you know, what I realized for me is that when I have a panic attack on stage and it... Sadly, still make, you know, I'll think of it yeah. sometimes. This is what happens. The this thinking. Is, right. Yep. The thinking is the worst part of it. Yep. And um, if I physically move, mm-hmm. if I physically just, I'm holding the mic, right? Yeah. Just physically take a step or two left or right. I should shake myself out of it. Yeah. And, and I, it's just a, a geographic. It's a, the tiniest of all geographics. Yeah. And I get my sense of self back. That's great. For me, it's about being transparent and saying to whoever's around me, I'm starting to feel a little panicky right now. Oh, okay. And as long as I say it out loud and I, I'm kind of like reality testing yeah. in a sense, you know, my, it's usually my husband and he'll say, you're okay. Everything's fine. Or, you know, because he knows my history. It's very sweet. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. I am okay. You yeah. Know, I'm not dying. I, if I feel right. like I'm, I, this thing right. might happen that's going to tell me I'm dying. <laughs> right. If I do not quickly clench my hands, yes. something's going to happen. Yeah. I used to say to people, um, if God himself, during during a panic attack, if God himself came down and said, you're just having a panic attack, I would say, fuck you, I'm dying. <laughs> because that's how convinced you are. Right, right. That's oh, horrible. Were you ever convinced that uh, you saw God? Uh, not during the panic attacks, no. That's really for the best. But that probably wasn't God. <laughs> probably <laughs> that was the squid on your I would have just driven straight to UCLA and checked myself <laughs> in at that point. That's right, because you grew up here, right? I did, yeah. And uh was that... Uh, an after school special? How was that? <laughs> How did that work out? You know was what? LA's, it's an interesting place to grow up. I mean, uh, you know, I grew up in LA and I grew up on the west side of LA and I grew up on the west side of LA going to schools with people, a lot of people who were in the entertainment industry. So it's yeah. a very, very small little niche of humans. And, you know, we were all, I think, trying to metabolize our insane parents and their deal and their deal and their, you know, aptly narcissistic artistic pursuits and it was the seventies and their own ah, the 70s. partying and We've all of so that. Much. Yes, the seventies. Everyone's heard so much about it. I was there. Uh turns out South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Not quite the party town. No, I'm not quite Palisades nineteen seventy six. No. My brother did tell me he one time woke up underneath a bush in uh South Milwaukee. Did he see God? He uh he's he said he and he was nineteen seventy five or nineteen seventy four and he was seventeen years old and he had just done a second all and Jack Daniels all night long. That's such a 70s combo. It really felt like it when he was telling the tale. My brother, Phil Cation, people, see him out. Uh, but my favorite, my, it's one of my favorite stories of his because he tells about how he wa- he decided to join the army. Because mm. he wanted, he, he had two dreams. Uh, and the main dream was he wanted to be a drug dealer of repute. <laughs> In South Milwaukee. So he thought if he went to Vietnam, he could make connections oh, to buy hash. This is a plan. Or if he went to Germany, if he get, if he didn't get war duty, he could get heroin. Yes. And uh, you're like, what's happening in your head at 17? He said, I don't think you understand. Second all and Jack Daniels. <laughs> and so he said he went to the Army Navy recruitment thing and he goes up to the Army guy. That's what they're called. And he goes up to the army guy. He says, Hey, I want to enlist. And the guy goes, well, what do you want to do in the army? And, he, and the only thing he knew about the army, cause he comes from our family was Sergeant Rock, the comic book. Right. And he said, Oh, infantry. And the captain, he said, captain, what was his name? Jim or captain Barry. I don't know what his name was, but he said, 
The guy looked at me like Christmas had come early. Oh, sure. the bonus Are you for kidding? just finding a cannon fodder uh, just loose on the street. But here's the thing. He uh, he didn't end up joining because three weeks later he punched a cop oh. and they turned him down. Ah. Uh, yeah. Some sort of self-protection there. <laughs> right. self de- look self-destructive on the outside, right. but right. no. Could have been 70, yeah. 75. The only guy in the world who was thinking of joining the army. Oh <laughs> to become a drug dealer. <laughs> right. Well, you got to dare to dream. You got to dare to dream, Phil Cajun. He did. He had a plan. He had a he plan. He did. So here's the thing. is, So it started out, the 70s will encourage you to do an internal like an internal clock check. And that is a lot of your dorkdoms. You know, you send me a list. Yeah. Everybody sends me a list, mm-hmm. Kelly Carlin. Yes. And it's at Kelly underscore Carlin on the Twitter. Yes. Also the Instagram or no? Uh, don't have the Instagram yet. Don't know. Okay. I, I think I have an account over there. Don't really know what I do with it. Well, you take pictures, but you can do it right there on Twitter. Uh, it's what I do. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't want another step in the right. social. There's enough and, to do already. And kellycarlin.com, obviously. Carlin yes. with a C. And you're at the Falcon Theater. Uh, January 28th through, through March with something. With my solo show. With a uh, solo show. That's neat. What's it called? A Carlin Home Companion. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Gets uh, it. She I gets do it. get it. I do get uh, it. Directed by Paul Provenza. Oh, sweet. Been sweet. doing it for about three years. Been doing all the comedy festivals with it for... Did you go to Edinburgh? I did not do that because that costs about $20,000 to do that. You At basically least. have... Yeah, you, yeah. If you're willing to lose $20,000 and... And the thing is, my show is about my, you know, growing up with my family. Right. And my dad wasn't necessarily a huge thing in England. So it's not like I'm going to get. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's not going to be a giant no. response. Yeah. So it's, it's here in the States, but I did all the JFLs and I did South by and I did the sketch fest. And so I've done all those kind of comedy festivals. How funny festivals would it stuff. be if you had went to Edinburgh and they said, well, he's no Doug Stanhope, your dad. <laughs> Who I love, Doug Stanhope, Who, but they, they like love, it. They love Doug Stanhope. I, Doug Stanhope is one of my personal heroes. I oh love God, him. That, that guy's amazing. Yep. Anyway. Agreed. Uh, so, but let's do this. Cause yeah. I like, I like, uh, Zen Buddhism. Yeah. I, do you consider yourself a Buddhist? Um, I, I think. Or don't when, you want to be booked in a box? Maybe? Yes, pretty much. If you're a Buddhist, you wouldn't call yourself a Buddhist <laughs> because <laughs> they know, man. Make me one with everything. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I started studying after my mom died in 97. I wanted to face, I wanted to be able to be with death, uh, because my okay. mom died oh, and, and it, it yeah. wasn't, um, it, we didn't face her death with a lot of, um, uh, we just faced it with a, bo- a lot of dysfunction in our family. And I thought I wanted to, were you this. looking for style and panache? I was or? looking for at least being in, in my body. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't at all. I completely left my body uh, the minute she was diagnosed with, uh, she'd been sick years before, was fine. And then was suddenly diagnosed with liver cancer and died five weeks later. Oh, that is. Yeah. It was, it was very fast and very aggressive and it it was already very far along. So, um, so you started studying Zen Buddhism. So I did. I went, I, yeah, because I, I wanted to not be so terrified of all of that. And I thought, and I thought, you know, those Zen Buddhists, they do those death haikus, man. Oh, do they? What oh, do they do? There's these, there's this famous tradition of Zen masters on their deathbed writing a haiku or speaking a haiku in the moment. Define haiku again. A haiku is a three-lined, 17, uh, so 17 so syllables. I think it's five, seven, five. Okay. And, um, and, and these guys would, and these guys spontaneously, or maybe they're planning it. <laughs> maybe they wrote maybe it out earlier. Been writing it, <laughs> got it on the palm of their hand or something. <laughs> Shitty first draft of deathbed haiku <laughs> number twelve. <laughs> awesome. Um, and um, and I thought, well, if they can, they have the wherewithal to write a haiku while they're dying. <laughs> I can probably process my mother's past. I just life. want to be in my body. <laughs> right. You know, or when my dad dies, you know, I want to be present. I want to be like not so. Were you numbed out? Was it that? Uh, yeah, it was numbed out, denial. It was just, let's all pretend it's not happening, even though we know it's happening, which was our MO in our family anyway. So we just, you know, in times of stress, you regress back yeah. to your old patterns. And so we did. Um, you know, and it was, it was really miserable. And I really wanted to be able to have those conversations with my mom where I'd say, you know, what do you, you know, what do we want to say to each other before all of this? Oh, and wow. we didn't have those conversations right, right. because we were all just like, Oh, do you want some orange juice? Yeah. 
and it was it's not- hard to it's hard to grill somebody on their deathbed yeah what what do you want <laughs> was there anything you want to say to me yeah uh, right, right. <laughs> here's the weird thing my mother died my stepmother of 25 years mm-hmm. 40 whatever 77 years uh died two and a half years ago mm-hmm. and she died unexpectedly i spoke to her a week before she died and uh during that phone conversation famously in my head uh she said i said something and she goes i'm not gonna die and wow. i said I am not, I did not say you were going to die. She said, yeah. And then we kept talking and then, uh, she died. It turns mm. out mm. I didn't kill her. Uh, <laughs> I am not the one. I didn't, but think so. the weird thing is, is she dies. My father, I go back for the funeral. My father and my stepmother are estranged, estranged. And, uh, my father, the first thing he says to me, he says, you know, I'm going to die one day. And I said, nice work making it about you almost immediately, dad. <laughs> that took what? Seven to 10 minutes. How's it going over there? So the way we deal with grief is we internally, oh my God, how is this going to affect me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is the shittiest way to deal with death. Yeah. Because you're just like, well, guess who's dying? Not you, yeah. weirdo. Yeah. Her siblings, crazy lunatic siblings, except for my Aunt Pam, uh, all made it about themselves. I mean, I yeah. think that's the go-to. I think it is. Well, because I think we we immediately face this reality like holy shit this really does happen right had you ever had any death in your family before besides grandparents uh no not really i mean i'd had i had a in 17 we had a friend died in a car accident which is always one of those things um had a couple people but nobody this and i'm an only child and i was very enmeshed with my parents so this whole thing was like and my mother had almost died when I was a kid, she was an alcoholic and she was down to 87 pounds at one point and almost died from right. it and resurrected from that. So it's just, but it really is that thing where you're like, this is, this isn't like, this isn't like a pretend thing in my head or something we just talk about. Oh, yeah. This person is gone. Like right. there it's, and your mind takes the, the shock of it. The, the beginning, you're like, they're really not here. Right. I can't, the only person I can complain about my, my, my mother's sisters to is my mother. Right. And she is not available. And the person that I would have processed my mother's grief, my mother's death with <laughs> is my mother. <laughs> and exactly. I would, and I would like find myself grabbing the phone to call her mm-hmm. and I'd be like, Ooh. And so I actually gave myself permission to have fake phone conversations with my mother to process this. That is awesome. You know, that's Andy's dad died right before my mom, my stepmom died. Wow. And, um, his dad died April 1st. He literally said, you think it's an April Fool's joke? He would do that. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, but his wife wouldn't have done it. And right. he was like, I know. Yeah. And he yeah. had, he had Lou Gehrig's. Mm. So uh, my, wow. he had, and so he did have those conversations. I bet. Cause he went back every three or four weeks and spent a long weekend with him. Yeah. He, we, we're, we're just getting out of that, the debt for that. No better money was ever spent though. Yeah. That last 10 months yeah. that he spent with his father. There's, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and he had never had anyone. He is an only child as well. Mm-hmm. And it was his first parent to die. He's been uh, very attentive to his mother since, uh, <laughs> since his father has passed away. I bet. I yes. bet. So, but he did have those conversations yeah. to some extent. Wow. You know? That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. It's so hard though. It is. It's not. And he gave himself permission to call, by the way. Oh, he gave to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just like, you know, I got to figure out how to do this. And uh, and this <laughs> what is, would she say? Yeah, what would she say? And the great thing is that you uh, do hear it. You hear what they would say. It's already internalized. And, and that's when you start to say, oh, her strength and her wisdom is already in me. Yep. It's a part of me. So, that's you know, neat. yeah, yeah, it's it, it was it was. It was the healthiest thing I could do, even though it sounds insane. <laughs> Slightly, but not really, yeah. because everyone's like, especially if you, you know, if you've lost a parent, you get it. You it's, get it. And it's, it's, um, and it's a club. I just want to say the minute you lose a parent. Oh, right, right. You get this thing. Like I say, and people said it to me when I lost my mom and I say it to people now, I'm like, welcome to the club. Right. Somebody said that to me after my stepmom died, which is weird because my mom, mom, my biological mom, who I have always referred to as my dead mom. Right. Uh, she died when I was seven mm-hmm. and nobody ever no, uh, mentioned her ever again. Oh, that's very a whole, disappointing. That's a whole different weird thing. Well, yeah. that it what was weird. My brothers would occasionally, uh, they had canonized her mm. accidentally. Uh, and I had 
sort of vilified her. Yeah. And it's usually the choice, one or the right. other. Well, if you're given no information. Yes. And you're you, going to make it up. Right. So when I was 33, which was when she died, I do a joke. Uh, she was 33. Age of Christ? Coincidence? Yes. Yes. Because she was not Christ-like. But uh, she was doing the best she could. Right. And, but you know how you have to come to peace with the failure of the parenting that has happened to you. 100%. Yep. <laughs> because they That's my solo show. <laughs> exactly. That's a beautiful arc to yeah. it, too. Yeah. Because not only did she impart all of her wisdom and all of her strength, she imparted all of her crazy yep. and all of her... And there's a compassion and a forgiveness that you get to have a relationship with the crazy yeah. and the wisdom and really... And it is, it's, it's that thing, either you canonize them or you vilify them. And then at some point you humanize them. Yeah. And that's when you realize, oh, they've got a little of all of that in there. And it's, what do I want to do with it? How do I want to walk through the last 40 years of my life or whatever it is that I've got left in relationship with this? Yeah. I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be mad forever. Yeah. And you know, and I think about, I think about her and my father's still alive, uh, almost died this summer, lived to irritate me so bad last two weeks ago that I was like, I don't even think I can talk to him right now. Wow. And well, we, uh, I did a dork forest with him, ah. but I don't know that I will ever, that wow. I will ever air just because I will have to listen to it <laughs> and edit it and just sort of clean it up. Right? right. And cause he's a salesman and everything is a sale. Right. right. So it led to women. Mm. So it led to my stepmother so it led to a math equation that I did not approve of uh, about him meeting my mother, my stepmother and my mother. And I, and actually I believe two or three times during the hour that I talked to him, I said to him, you know, you're not the hero of that story, dad. Oh, wow. That actually, the math doesn't work on that. And my father doesn't have any remorse. Yeah. He doesn't even, he's like, he's not the, he's not a guy to apologize for something he did ever. Right. right. So I recently realized that, I have never learned how to, Andy pointed this out because I, um, I realized I always knew when I was a kid that there were consequences to my actions, Mm -hmm. but that when you got the consequences, the question was not, how do I not do that again? The question was, well, was that worth it? Was it funny enough? Right. No, did you get enough money? If you're going to pay the price, you you need to get the value out. Right. Did you get it? (laughs) It's fucking value. (laughs) And he, he, that's him. I got that from him. Interesting. He's, because I mentioned things that he did when he, when I was a kid and he was like, what did I say? What did I do? Right. He's like, well, that's, I was an idiot. And then he, then there's a pause and he always says, well, we're all just doing the best we could. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus God, no apology, yeah. nothing. One, one sorry. No. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> all right. We won't be expecting that anymore. <laughs> right. Well, and, then and that's, that's the, that's the great thing. And when you realize it. that I no longer, you, you, it's the expectation is where the suffering comes from. Yeah. We expect people to be different <laughs> and they aren't. That's when the suffering comes. <laughs> so, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like how I kind of view the world. I mean, I don't, I haven't given up on the world, but, no. it, but at the same time, it's like, well, guess what? <laughs> if you expect there to be some sort of major change when there's an election in America, Oh, you're a for fool. You're right. And you're disappointed. Like, really? Like, yeah. You didn't, you know, you were voting for an enormously moderate Democrat. <laughs> yes, I'm so always. sorry. Yes. I know he's a black man. He was supposed to be magical. Uh, right. But sadly, that was not occurring. No, there's too many he's corporations. A, right. And he is a, he is a, he is a, a gentleman who wanted to be president first. Yes. He is a human who was willing to become president that cre- that is its own breed. That is, and it's a very small breed of people. And it's, <laughs> I wouldn't want it with a, no, with a, with a, it's the mm. worst job in the, in the universe. Right. Ugh. So how did you study Zen Buddhism? I started, go, go to I, self-help. I went to, um, I never, I know I had a tape of this guy, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Vietnamese Zen master. Okay. He's very famous. He's very big in the, he like, introduced the word mindfulness basically to the West. Oh, wow. He was nominated by Martin Luther King in the early 60s for the Nobel Peace Prize because he, in Vietnam, he and his monks and nuns would take people from either side of the war uh, to help them 
heal. I mean, you know, to, to oh, like PSTD. Like yeah. And, and people who were actually, or? who were starving, people who were homeless or whatever. You just take anybody and it didn't he matter. Would their say, it did not matter the politics because he was, you know, he's this Zen Buddhist. And of course he was vilified by both sides. And so he was exiled. Wow. He ended up living in Europe. So I had a tape of his from, I don't know from where, and I would listen to this, this meditation tape where he was like, you are, uh, uh, breathing in, you are the mountain. Breathing out, you are solid. Breathing in, you are the flower. Breathing out, you are fresh. Interesting. And it would like, um, do you want me to pause? No, no, I want you to tell that okay. story while I go hang up on whoever calls. Okay. It's one of, it's a great moment. Ha- have a salty, here's, dark I am. And then I'm going to have to speak like a pirate, which I'm not quite sure what that is, how that sounds, but I'm willing to have a bite of this. Uh huh. There she goes. So, so I have this tape. Oh, they're very wow, persistent. They persistent. So I have this meditation tape and I'd listen to it and it was the only thing that because of my panic attacks and all that was the only thing that like really calmed me. And um so I read and I bought some Buddhist magazine and read that he was going to be teaching a retreat, a 5-day retreat up in Santa Barbara. He had to be 80 years old. No, no, no. Actually, he's He's in his 90s. Yeah, he was in his 70s. I think like early, okay. late 60s, early 70s. This is 97. Right. So um now, mind you, I had never meditated on a cushion. Wow. Is this an emergency? This seems persistent. It does. <laughs> Do we have a, a ringer off mode on that thing? I don't know what a major... I don't know. I have... You know what? I don't have a ringer off. Hey. How great would it be if I just let him leave the message and then edited this all out? We have it because Andy Ashcraft is a safety mouse. I see. A safety mouse. Uh, I hope there's no test results happening right now, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're going to find out that Andy has a butt lesion over the, uh, the and he's impotent. But you know, other than that, he is fine. Really? Oh, he's not impotent. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, too much info. Let's see what can be done at minute 23 (laughs) to clean up the phone. Okay. Anyway. So, so I had this tape, but I had, you know, I didn't really meditate. I just listened to the tape. So I'd never done any what they call sitting meditation. In my entire life, I had never. Oh, right, the sit where you're supposed you know, to sit for minutes and breathe, right? And let thoughts pass by you, right? Exactly, which I know how to do now. But okay. then, um, I didn't know that. But I just went ahead and signed up for a five day meditation retreat Ooh. in Santa Barbara because you know it's one of those things. My mother just died, and it's yeah. four months later, and I and I part of what happens, at least happened for me when my mom died, was and when a parent dies, is this like you realize that life is short. And you better, you could be hit by a truck tomorrow. So if there's anything you need to be doing or want to be doing, now is the time to start. Right. And why, I, why put it off at and, this point? Right. Why keep putting things off? And one of the things that I was really interested in was pursuing a spiritual path in some way. I didn't know what that meant. I'd always been curious and I was into all the new age crap and in my twenties and all of that. But, but I wanted something solid, you know, where I could right. write a haiku on my deathbed basically. Oh, right, right. Right. <laughs> so I went up to this retreat. And I'm picturing, I don't know. I don't know what I was picturing. It was at UCSB. It was in the dormitories there. It was before the school year started. Thank God. Have you seen those children? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I don't know. I pictured a hundred people sitting around a Buddhist monk. There were 1200 people signed up for this thing. 1200. 1200. Because he only comes oh, to America. Famous. Yes. And he only comes to America twice a year, once a year, once on the East Coast, once on the West Coast or something. Right. And then I realized not only are there 1200 people, <laughs> Welcome to my home, Kelly Carlin. It's full of noises. There's a lot of ringing going on here. It's Maria Bamford. Uh, oh my God, a doll. Maria Bamford is calling me on my cell phone. I usually do turn the cell phone off. I don't know how to actually turn the home phone off. Uh, but she's gonna have to. We're, we're gonna have to talk another time, uh, sadly. And uh, she, as I told her, she's so cool. Oh, she's the coolest. Oh my God. And, uh, she's good people. She's, so, but 1200 people, 1200 people in Santa Barbara for five days. For five days. And I find out immediately that, A, I'm sharing a room with someone else. I'm an only child. I don't share rooms with people. <laughs> uh, especially people who, 
and here's the kind of people that I come to these retreats at times. Oh, you know, they're dressed in a certain way and they act in a certain way through their, they want you to know that are they they're, hippie skippy wannabes or? Yeah, they're a little more, they're a little more closer to God than you are. Like there's a little, oh. there's a little bit of narcissism <laughs> and there's a competition going on. Yeah. They call it spiritual materialism in, in that world. Oh, um, is it? It's like oh. a collecting of spiritual experiences, you know. Well, TikTok. Yes. On my bucket list, I need to be taught by this guy who seems to be closer right. to God than I am. Right, exactly. And and I and then I realized when I looked at the schedule that we would be doing things like sitting for 45 minutes at a time, three times a day in this in these sitting meditations wow. and I had not even done maybe 5 minutes yet. Right, so, right. did you fall over in a heap and fall asleep? I um I was just a little, I was itchy, like itchy and agitated. And yes, you would get sleepy. And at some point I would just get up and leave because it was just too much. Like right. I, you, you feel just like I will scream. Yeah. And you're sitting with all these people and it's very like, is it shoulder to shoulder? Yeah, not quite, but it's, yeah, it's, you know, Pretty- and we're in the big gymnasium there at UCSB. And so it's all these pillows on the floor and. We're all there right. and, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So my brain is just, monkey, they call yeah, it monkey yeah. mind, crazy, crazy monkey mind going on. And so it was, um, overwhelming, but the, they'd said, Oh, in the morning, uh, the, at dawn, another thing, I'm not a morning person, really. <laughs> I do not get up at dawn. Dawn is not something. Dawn is so beautiful. I like to see it from the other side myself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Is it 4.30? Oh, well, I might as well stay up and see the dawn. <laughs> right, exactly. I've seen pictures of it. Um, so they, they, we do this walking meditation. I'm like, well, you know what? I've signed up for this stuff. Sitting, walking, yeah. whatever. I want to go out. So I get up early and there's like two or 300 of us out there. And I'm like, oh, other people slept in. Like already now I've got the like, oh, now you're I'm the spiritual material. way more <laughs> spiritual because I'm willing to get out of bed at dawn. <laughs> Hello. And I bet you it lends itself to that though. <laughs> yes. Because all of a sudden you're just like, well, I'm working on myself. I'm right. clearly yeah. getting better. Yeah. Well then you. Right. And, <laughs> and then you're just your gaze goes to the person next to you. Completely. It's such a trap. <laughs> it's a total trap. Right. It is a complete trap, which is so funny because if you're pursuing it all, you're not really in it. So right, you're you supposed know. to <laughs> it's supposed to well, maybe it's, is, is, is that sort of part of the journey as well is to sort yes. of let go of that superiority for eventually? For sure. For sure. Yes. Do yes. you think that like Oprah has? Uh, you know, I, she's quite a seeker. Uh, I think she, you know, I think really she has such an impulse to share what she learns yeah. that I think that's her main impulse. And, and I wonder because, you know, I kind of, I have that too. Oh, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to do this and stuff. Mm-hmm. But really, if you're really with it, you don't talk about it. You don't, right, right. Well, you, yeah. you know, you just are, you just are it. Well, you know, in the Talmud, and I say that, and I mean the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's that whole thing about how you're supposed to pray, but you're not supposed to pray in public. You're just supposed to do it and then not <laughs> pat yourself on the back. Right. Because you're going to break your arm. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> right. they, they don't say that in the Bible. I think that was something for a very Wisconsin saying when I was a child. <laughs> yes. You're going to hurt yourself patting yourself on the back like that. You're going to break your arm. And... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be a private and you're just supposed to do, live the life, do the work. If you're going to be of service, be of service. You right. know, it's not about getting the gold stars. Yeah. But, but my personality, it, it was about getting the gold stars. It's all I knew how to do is get gold stars. <laughs> One after another. That's did I right. get a certificate? Did I finish yes, something? Look what I did. <laughs> Aren't well, I shinier now? <laughs> so tempting. Please though. love me. Yes, exactly. Please love me now. Frank Conniff used to do this joke about how everybody should just walk down the streets just screaming, love me! Love me! <laughs> Frank Conniff, so fucking funny. Oh, I love him. Oh, he's just amazing. To death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so how, so you went on this walk. Oh, so I went on this walk and I, and if you've never seen walking meditation, I have not. It's practice, it's so slow. You're practically going backwards. It's so slow because you're not, it's not about walking. It's about being present as you use forward motion. It's, it's about learning to do, to be present while doing. Oh yeah. It's about, it's learning to be connected to your being while you're doing. I bet you that's very powerful. It is. It is. And yet when your first time you're doing it, you're like, why? 
walking so slow? <laughs> and and it's you're walking so slow, you're almost falling over. Like you can't right? balance that because you're not made to walk at that pace. Yeah, but we are, and 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 Thich Nhat Han is there, and it's beautiful, and the sun is coming up, and I look out. We're on the beach, and I look out. And I shit you not, there are dolphins frolicking in the water. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this shit works. <laughs> and then, the dolphins know that we're trying to get yeah, better. The dolphins totally get it. Yeah. And then we like go and UCSB, there's this gorgeous nature reserve on the property and there's like okay. all these birds and it's a real nature reserve. And we're walking and, uh, two, Two, uh, two lines of people. There's two little paths and we're walking, we're walking. And I look over at one point, we're up in this nature reserve and there's like this little meadow. <clears throat> and about 40 feet away, there's a fox, a little fox, which I'd never seen a real fox in real right, life right. before. Just in, in the wild. They're so cute. <laughs> and he's doing his little fox thing, which is staring at a hole in the ground and like pouncing <laughs> on it because that's what they do. Right. He's waiting for the, he's gopher. hunting. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's like 400 of us and we're walking by in this mindfulness walking meditation and he's 40 feet away and he has no idea we're there. Oh, wow. It was so powerful for me to see like whatever he's we like, were. You were not interrupting his, yeah, his day. We weren't even like creating enough something for him to be like freaked out or aware or scared. He was just going about his business and yeah. we were going about ours. And I, and that's when I was like, Okay, there's something to this stuff. I don't really quite, I don't understand it at all. Right. But there's something here that I want more of. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. And how long was that walk? Was it over um, an hour? It was, it was like a 45 minute walk. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, did you do a loop or yeah, did you get somewhere and no, then you're like, think, now we're going to walk back? Yeah. Now. I think we like got somewhere <laughs> and then we all walked back to the dormitory. But one of the things they had us do during this retreat, this is so great. So, you know, they have these big bell towers on campuses. Yeah. And, right. And I think it's like every half hour they, or maybe every 15 minutes they ring, whatever it was. So Thich Nhat Hanh had said to us, um, he had taught us this thing about when you hear a bell, you stop and breathe. And actually during the retreat in the dorms, they would ring the bell and no matter what you were doing, brushing your teeth or whatever, you would just stop and take a breath, come back to the self hmm. and breathe and then move on. And it's, it's this practice that you use. I do it. It's to all acknowledge day that an angel has gotten its wings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. So he said, when you hear the bell tower on yeah. the campus, go ahead and everyone stop and take a breath, no matter what you're doing. If we're at a meal or you're yeah. walking somewhere. So there was a big quad where they had all these classrooms and we were getting instruction during the day from other people and, and question and answer stuff about Buddhism. Big quad and it was in between sessions and everyone was kind of walking and there were people on the, in the, on the campus who were just normally work there and live yeah. there, you know. First day, bell rings, all the retreat people stop and breathe, which was about 60% of the people in this quad and about 30% of the people or 40% of the people quad had no idea what was going on and are doing this kind of like looking at it, like, like they're spooky. still walking because it's a little creepy. It's yeah. a little twilight zoning. Yeah. If 750 <laughs> people that you're standing next to yes. all of a sudden do one thing and it's yes. not dance. And it's, yeah. And this is way before flash mobs <laughs> right. and shit like right. that. Like there's nothing like that in the consciousness right. of the zeitgeist. Right. There's no reason to think that it's not the Moonies. But by the and end of the fifth day, Mm -hmm. everyone in the quad was stopping and breathing. Oh. And this is once again, it was one of those moments where, where you're like, weird. We're like, we're, we're enlightening the people around us who haven't even signed up for enlightenment. Right. They didn't have a thousand dollars. What the fuck? <laughs> Stop breathing. Stop breathing. No. And luckily and, you share. Yes. <laughs> and so it was just, it was one of those things where it was like, once again, holy shit, this shit's powerful. Like yeah. I don't understand it yet, but yeah. sign me up. So that's what I've been doing the last 15, 17 years. Sit, it's, it's sitting just, on a cushion. Sitting on a cushion, letting it all wash over you. And walking slowly. And walking very slowly and breathing whenever <laughs> and you hear a bell. Stopping when I hear a bell. I so if you see wish me, I had a bell. If you see a woman out in the world. <laughs> I just, I want you to be performing because you do storytelling and stuff. <laughs> yes. And then just like in the middle of the story, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. ding. <laughs> <laughs> Such a jackass move. <laughs> I was like, what do you think's going to happen? Do you think she'll stop? Do you think she'll stop breathing? <laughs> 
I, uh, so, so, so the days were that. So that yes. was a five day retreat. Yes. How was the food? <laughs> was it it was vegetarian. Yeah. And we had to eat. We also were asked to eat mindfully, which means to eat very slowly and to chew mm. and to contemplate all of the hands that it took to oh, bring yeah. this food to your plate, which is a really profound kind of gratitude thing about food anyway, to imagine everything from the planting to the take, you know, the to, the harvesting, to the harvesting, to and- the putting it in a truck, to all the people it takes to move it from the truck to the distribution to the, I mean, the ho- yeah. every hand, right? It's a, it's a profound meditation and yeah. it, and it really, and the, the point of it is understanding that we are all what they call interdependent. There's no I. We right. we think there's an I, but there really is only a we. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. One time when I when Jennifer McLean and I were living together when I first moved here, we were moving from our studio apartment where we lived for three years. Uh, the corner of the uh, dining room was my privacy. <laughs> it was nice. I had a mattress on the bed. To uh to a giant sort of uh, open studio that was like two bedrooms stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. It was like a giant bunk bed. Mm-hmm. And uh we were, but, it but was just rooms. upstairs. Right. Yeah, right. we had our own sort of right. rooms with that were <coughs> curtained off. Right. And um our friend Jim Wooster, Jennifer McLean, on the original two hundred one of the t- original two hundred episodes of the show, uh Jim Wooster on the first episode of the pre-recorded. Feel free to listen to the old shows, folks. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the deal is this is they were moving my mattress, the two of them. And Jennifer did something wrong in the, in the, in the movement. Mm-hmm. And, um, Jim said, there's no I in team. And Jennifer McLean said, there's no Jackie in team. And because <laughs> Jackie is not helping us move her own damn furniture. <laughs> That has stuck with me. Has inspired me to be of more service to the to, the, to humanity. Clearly, 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 it has made an, an impact because that happened, uh, I believe, in two thousand. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. But I, I love that. I mean, I do when I when I thank when when we do sort of a, a, a prayer before the meal. Mm-hmm. I always do thank the truckers and yeah. the harvesters and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But to think of every hand, yeah. That is quite a litany. Yeah. That is a, that is a, everybody's involved. Yeah. And it, it, it really immediately opens your heart. It's just, you can't yeah. help but just suddenly be like, wow, we're, we, there is, there, right. It, it is. So a, are there books that you're reading or are there people that you're going to? Um, I don't, there's a ton of books. God knows there's a ton of books oh, yeah. and magazines and people you can go to. I've, you know, and I've kind of cycled through a lot of stuff. I ended up, practicing and studying with a, a local group in, in Santa Monica mm-hmm. um, and still friends with them. But, you know, it's it evolves over 17 years. It's really yeah. a private practice for me now. And every once in a while, I'll read a Alan Watts is a huge, uh, he's a man who in the 70s, he was in San Francisco and he's a, a white guy who, a philosopher who really understood Zen. Like he's a kind of person who, phrases, sentences and things that like kind of makes your mind blow a little bit like ping, like you get a little <laughs> ping of your right. your brain. Yeah. I'll pick up an Alan Watts book and let and let him blow my mind. His a lot of his lectures are on he's got a podcast, they still play his stuff. Yeah. Uh I'll listen to him when I need to kind of recenter in that point yeah. of view. Um but, but for the most part you're you're good on your own? Yeah, yeah. And I have a teacher now, Gempo Roshi is my 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 teacher and and I work with him sometimes and but yeah i mean it's what well, you kind of know what your shit is yeah and where you, what you need but it's really about the, it is about the practice it's about a daily and i'm not a stringent daily person but right. when i am my life is a lot better well yeah i would imagine if you woke up to sort of calm your mind before you went out into the world yeah it yeah that would and it's about detaching from your shit it's about really like you said earlier like oh is that where you watch your thoughts go by like yeah it is about going oh that's just a thought Right. Oh, there's a plan. Okay. Oh, there's a memory. Yeah. Oh, there's an emotion. You, you're the observer of everything. Okay. And the, it's a little vacation. Right. It's We're, a, it's a, a 20 slideshow. It is. It's a 20 minute vacation from your fucked up mind. Right. Well, yeah. Cause I have, I have a consistent committee meeting going on. Oh, for sure. My, yeah. yeah. Who does? We all do. Yeah. And so here's the good news. Nobody gets to hear, uh, nobody has to hear the unabridged minutes. Right. Uh, <laughs> what I like to do. 
is I like to tighten it up and I like to spread out the minutes amongst uh, different, uh, yes, <laughs> different people. Yes. And then I'm sure you turn some of it into stand up comedy. Well, yeah, because, uh, I was, I, I've never been a jealous person and, and Andy's my first boyfriend and husband ever, uh, of, and so I'd never been with anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I'd never ever been jealous because I always thought, well, this probably isn't going to work. I don't, I don't have any rights to his time, uh, but he seems to like me. All right, so we'll stick it out. But I must be becoming more secure in my sense of self because we were at a mar- party at Marie Bamford's house a month ago, and he was talking to this woman, and I, I remember looking over there going, well, she's a lot younger than I am. She's taller. What's happening over there? What do you, what do you, what do you think he's talking about? And luckily, I do enough internal committee mm-hmm. g- scrubbing mm-hmm. uh, that I went, it's a party. He's probably talking to her. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> hey, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> They're not sneaking off to the bathroom. Right. Yet. It's not any sort of. And then, because uh, cause on the awesome. same, like, mo- like, and luckily, because I had just also thought, because uh, I was listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, soundtrack, mm-hmm. as you do. Wow. Uh, yeah. And do you remember the Escape Pina Colada song? No, I do From not. the 70s. Do oh. you like pina oh, coladas? God, yes, of course. It's got a nice fat beat. The kids can dance to yes. it. Let me tell you something. It's about two philandering jackasses. Yes. And basically... in the end, uh, they find each other. She couldn't be more disappointed. It's him. And uh, and, and he's like, oh, I've never listened to you before in our, our relationship. You like pina coladas and getting... <laughs> Walking in the rain and you like to, you want to make love on the cape on a dune? What's happening? And so it was like this whole weird, and I was thinking about that and I was thinking, you know, I never think about, I never think Andy's going to cheat on me Mm -hmm. because my self-absorption is so complete and I would never think of cheating on him. Right. And my self-absorption says, well, why would he do something that I wouldn't do? You wouldn't like that. Right. I wouldn't like that. So why would he like that? And I told him that and he could not stop laughing. (laughs) He was like, well, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, it's... Oh, I love it. It's it's at least it's not... At least I know I'm crazy. Yes. Right? And I think at a certain age... Here's what I think. At a certain age, you know you're crazy and you know how to deal with your craziness. Right. And if you get to that certain age and you still don't know you're crazy, Ugh. there's really no hope. <laughs> right. And it's exhausting <laughs> to be around that person. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I partition those people. Yeah. I can't partition I don't them away. I'm like, Oh, mm. and yet we are distantly related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole other issue. Well, yeah. it really is because you have to, and you just have to say, okay, well, this is a finite amount of time. For sure. And Absolutely. You're like, you are mind numbingly boring. Yeah. And weirdly enough, tactless at yeah. the same time. How do you do it? Yeah. How do you do it? It's like, cause like someone will say something as, as innocuous as, Oh, you guys have a, have a water cooler. Mm-hmm. You guys have a, like Brit, not Brita, but like the, the people bring the gifts, the, the sparklets or whatever. Yeah, sparklets. Yeah. So yeah. you guys have one of those and. Someone will just say that, or you'll get up and get the water, and she'll say, you know, they have to deliver those water bottles. Mm. Out loud. And you're like, yeah, we all, we all, what, what's going to happen next? What, what is the end what's, of that story? What's, yeah, what's the next beat on this? Is there a story? There is not. There is not. She is literally just going to tell us that they drive in a truck and drop off. And you're like, you aren't mentally, I mean, she's a smart woman. Yeah. But felt need to share that. But just boring. Yeah. I just assume it's boredom. She doesn't get a lot out a lot, clearly. Maybe, maybe just not. Needs to share these thoughts. And, and in other ways, very smart. Other ways, uh, well read. That's well, what I, that's always tricky too with people. You get these really smart, smart, brilliant people and then they yeah. do things and you're like, wow, that's, I mean, that's really what, I mean, from my Jungian uh, psychology that we, what we call the shadow. It's like, that's where the part of you that's so unconscious in your personality that you have no idea. Oh, that, that, that you're, you're doing, doing that things? or exists or that it's wrong or that it's right. inappropriate. Well, that's interesting because whenever you're alerted to facts, who so someone was telling me, oh, is when you don't know that you're being rude, when you don't know mm-hmm. it was, uh, like I didn't know that, that when I, when I would do something mean, mm-hmm. there, I knew there would be consequences. Right. What I've recently learned, oh, granted, in, 
Nope, not even that. Re- I mean, a little too recently <laughs> is what I'm saying. Is that when you, when you do something wrong and you've hurt somebody, yes, or you have angered somebody, mm-hmm. and you go, oh well, that's the consequences of that. Someone's right. feelings are hurt. Uh, someone's angry at me. Um, I might get punched in the face. <laughs> Whatever the consequences are, I always said, oh well, those are the consequences, and then I will either. Uh, was it good enough? Right. Was it, was it was, worth it? Was it worth it? Right. Was there value? Right. In, in was there enough value to to reap these consequences? I have recently le- learned a very basic thing that you're that's not the end of it. Right. The end of it is is to genuinely apologize. Yes. And to not do it again. <laughs> yes. There's a two step yes. thing going on there. Yes. One is to say you're sorry, and then two. Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. And if only, cause for about five or six years ago, I started apologizing mm-hmm. for things that I was doing. And I've told the story before on the Dork Forest. Rangers have heard it. But, uh, the thing is, is, is it's a thing where, where I have been rude and I made a rule that I had to apologize in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if I don't apologize in the moment, I have to go back mm-hmm. and find for example, the bag boy I whipped a bell pepper at because right. he was bagging my groceries wrong. Right. And that gentleman, uncomfortable when I had come back and he looked at me like I was going to hit him because that's why people come back, usually with a gun or some sort right. of uh, bigger item than a, a bell right. pepper. Escalation. Right, escalation. <laughs> and I said, uh, I just, I'm back to apologize. I'm so sorry. That was insane. And I genuinely apologize. And he was like, all right. And, uh, and so, but it's the only reason I was, I stopped doing, was mm-hmm. me stop being mean again. Right. Was because I didn't want to apologize. Right. It was not from an altruistic right. feeling of, well, I hurt that person's feelings. Right. That has been an even newer re- realization. This is, it is an onion, isn't it? Don't we just unfold yeah. ourselves and just we're like, oh shit. Welcome to growth week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to rea- Yeah. That, that moment where you're like, that's just for me. It was always like, what do you mean? I'm not perfect. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm not the most pleasant, perfect human on earth. Like that. I've actually affected someone through some unconscious action I've done. What do you mean? I'm unconscious, <laughs> right? I do everything to be conscious. It's a frightening kind of moment for the ego because you're like, what? Right. Huh? Right. And to try to live in the moment and to try to be aware how your actions affect other yeah. people. I recently saw this last year I've met uh Brian Regan mm-hmm. and he is the most conscious person of at his sort of fame level that I've met mm. that makes sure that he is consciously polite to everyone around him. Right. And he may not, re- he can't possibly remember everyone's names, but he is very polite and he's like mm-hmm. to all the staff, mm-hmm. like the sound guy and the, the way I was guy, taught by my father yes. to, to make sure yes. that everyone at least Feels and, acknowledged. Yeah, feels yeah, acknowledged. Absolutely. And it was, it was exceptional. Mm-hmm. It was lovely to see. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have any, it didn't seem to have any reward to it. <laughs> the value is. Right. The value was missing for right, me. Right, right. It's, it's really about giving others value. Right. Yes. Right. It's uh, giving out. Yes. Like, like I know comics who will sit and, and, and sign things forever uh-huh. after shows. And that is a lovely thing and take pictures and do that. Mm-hmm. Chris Titus was the first person I ever saw do it for like two and a half hours. He mm-hmm. sat and he met every single person who wanted to meet him and took pictures with them. But they were also buying t-shirts and DVDs and stuff. And I always thought, oh, well, that's a really smart business idea. Um, right. It was also a really nice thing to do because they were fans yes. and they wanted to meet And him. they came out. Right. And they Brian support Regan, you. There's 1,500 to 3,000 people there. He can't. Right, right. He can't sit there and meet them all. Right. So the best he can do is to make sure at least the immediate 13 people around him, he can be nice to those people. Yeah. And, and there's, and there was no value. I didn't see. Yeah. And there, there is that altruistic thing where if you're not trained in it, if you didn't get training in it in your family. Right. You know, which, right. We've already discussed. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly there was some sort of error. There was a missing piece there. It It is an interesting, it, it, there's a thing about if it, in the end it does, there is value for you in the end. Right. But it's not right. a direct moment consequence one. I get so much out of not carrying the weight of being mean to somebody. Yeah. Of, of sort of a clean slate kind of thing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've cleaned that up. That person has accepted or not accepted my apology and I have at least said, Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for that. 
I'm, I'm going to try not to do that in the future because that was, uh, that was mean or insane or right. that was dumb. And they go, okay. Nobody, by the way, that I've ever apologized has ever said, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> 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 Every single person has been like, Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Received their, your apology wholeheartedly. <laughs> yes. Taking it in. They've taken it in whether to be accepted or yes. to just be acknowledged. Yes, but letting you know that letting they're not. That I needed to yes. do that. That that was the correct response now, to me losing it at a Starbucks. Now, do you go out in the world and do things to just make people happy and thrilled and joyful? Like with Andy, do you just like buy him a little something because you know it's going to make him happy? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so you've got that's al- that's altruism right there. That's sure. Oh yeah, I'm shinier today than I was before. I mean, it's I'm a I'm genuinely a better person right. than I was. Yeah. 15 years but there's, ago. There, but there's that sense of like, oh, I just want to see them. Like it's buying yeah. the perfect Christmas gift for someone and watching them open it. It's like, oh, it's so great. Andy came home and he said, I don't know who this is for. Uh, but uh, I saw this and it's adorable. And it's a Winnie the Pooh coffee cup. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, and I said, and I know someone, I my friend Allison Kalama, who is Winnie the Pooh crazy. Mm-hmm. Levity loves some Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that that is for Allison Kalama. And he said, is it? And I said, unless you think it's so cute, you want it. And he goes, no, no, no let's give it to Allison. She thinks she'll like it. So, I mean, it's right. He is such a he is such a good person. He makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. He makes me want to be a better man. <laughs> he makes me uh, he makes me want to be Jack Nicholas. You know, uh, Jack Nicholas isn't that a, a that's a golfer? That's a golfer. Yeah, interesting. First error recorded. <laughs> Congratulations, Rangers! Couldn't go an entire episode. Nicholson was the man I'm thinking of, and because uh, I didn't I say earlier it was right because you were talking about Joseph Campbell, Campbell and not Joseph Conrad, Conrad which is who I thought. <laughs> Joseph Campbell, he wrote about the famous mythologist. Mythologist. Yes, mythologist. Does he make up myths? No, he. Why do I not know who Joseph Campbell is? I'm surprised you don't. He, in the, in the, in this, in the, like the, from the 50s through when he died, I think in the early 80s, he was a man who who, killed him. Who, um, yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Okay. Um, he was a man who, he was like one of the first comparative religious guys. Like he, he looked at all the religious myths and said, Hey, guess what? There's lots of flood myths out there. Oh, was he that guy? Yes. He was like, do we see a pattern? Yes. He's the one who, you know, the hero's journey you hear about in story writing and script writing yeah. all the time. That's him. Okay. He created, he's the one who identified the hero's journey. He wrote books about it. Okay. And he was interviewed by Bill Moyers on a PB, a famous PBS series in the seventies. Where he talks about the hero's journey, and he even talked about Star Wars in you know, this think, in this I think interview. I saw that for some reason his name did not internalize. That's Joseph Campbell. That's Joseph Campbell, not he Joseph has, Conrad, not Joseph Conrad, <laughs> who was also very prolific and wrote the Heart of Darkness and wrote the Heart of Darkness. And Apocalypse Now was based on it, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's all good. So, which is also a hero's have journey. Have you ever read any Stephen Mitchell? Uh, yes, he's also a Buddhist writer, right? Right. He, he translated the Tao. Yeah. So he's a, he's more of a scholar. Yeah. He's, yes. And he did. He's married to Byron Katie. Oh, really? Yes. Who's Byron Katie? Byron Katie is the lady who asks the question, is it true? Like she's the one who has oh. you asking your thoughts. She has a website. She does called the work and it's yeah. amazing. If you have need you done to, the work. Yes. I'll just I tried the, to do the work and through I the was paperwork like, thing. And it, I and I actually went to an evening thing with her and we all did the work with okay. her. And it's it, like, if you're hooked on something and you're in the middle of a thing and you can't let go of something. Yeah. Her work is pretty amazing in that area. When I was a child, my father said, uh, dictatorships keep people busy. He was constantly saying. That's why the trains ran on time. <laughs> yes. And he was like, it's like, you don't want to give people a lot of freedom because mm-hmm. uh, it just, it makes them think too much. And uh, and so what really I Really the opposite of my father experience, <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> oh, no. I think George Carlin wanted to do sit around and do some thinking. And uh, tick tock. And... Uh, <laughs> Right. My dad, he was like, but he, uh, this, our lives are full of enough time. Yes. That we can, because I love stuff like the work. Mm-hmm. And Maria Bamford has turned me on to, she loves a workbook like nobody's business. <laughs> her fiance, this love very it. nice man, Scott, uh-huh. is willing to do a workbook with her. Wow. And she is That's like, a fiance. That is a fiance. Is my husband, I'm into all this stuff and my husband looks at me like, mm, yeah, very we're polite. Not, we're not doing it. Very polite. Books, no. <laughs> yeah. Andy Ashcraft, a lot of polite nodding. He's like, what'd you learn? 
And, uh, cause my, my throat has been, I've been having this weird cough and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'd, I'm speculating mm-hmm. what it might be. Yes. Cause it's not in my chest right. and it's not, it's literally just in my vocal cords, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. I'm sure Louise Hayes is saying that I'm not saying something. Yeah. You're not, you're not speaking your truth, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't mean to mock because we love this shit. We do. I do love this and shit, but it's also healthy. mockable. And we have healthy skepticism too. Right. Yes. Right. Because you, you still have to go to work in the morning. Yes. You still have to earn a living. And so, at some point you need to go to the doctor. Right. You know, it's like that, people, like you go and you get your acupuncture and all that, and then you go to the Western doctor to yeah, save your heart attack. Exactly. And Andy Ashcraft is like, when, when will you go to the Western doctor? <laughs> and right. I was like, well, I'm seeing the acupuncture and I'm getting some Heller work done. And then I'm going to, uh, and then I got the chiropractor looking at it. And, uh, and there's an herbalist. And I'm doing some Alexander technique. And, <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, anyway, so there's an eye, ear, ear, nose, and throat guy that might be able to do something. I was like, but it's my vocal cords. What if he wants to cut me? He said, yeah, you don't have to be cut. Yeah. <laughs> you just say no yeah. and then keep drinking honey and tea. Yes. Because what I, what my Heller work lady is like, I think it's sugar. I think it's sugar and, mm. and wheat. Mm. And uh, my chiropractor's like, what's your caffeine intake? And my acupuncturist <laughs> is just like, well, you're just stressed out a little bit. You're just stressed out. Let's get your chakras all in a row. Yeah. Let's get your fan belt rebuckled. Right. Or whatever it is. Your point's all pointing in the right direction. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, and I'm a bit of a, I'm very, kind of somatic oriented. I like, I feel my anxiety in my body with okay. symptoms. I mean, that's why I was a panic attack person. Oh, right. So for me, it's always like, is it anxiety mm-hmm. or is this really go to the doctor time? You know, right. I mean, it's like, it's that thing for me. And so, and I play the game a little bit and then if it gets bad enough and I really want to know, and now that I'm in my <clears throat> 50s. I go to <laughs> the doctor. To be done. I'm I, allowed to be in my 50s. I go to the doctor. Because you go to the doctor. I do because I'm in my 50s and it's like this is when the shit starts to break down. Right. Well, I have this. The reason I went to the Heller work lady, which is this deep tissue body work mm, thing, right? It's like rolfing. It's like rolfing, <sighs> but um, it's gnarly. It's uh, and it yeah, and it's super, but uh, it's very deep. And what she's doing is she's taking that the the fascia, yeah, the fascia, and elongating yeah, it. It's painful. What it what I might want to do work out. I might want to stretch and then I wouldn't have wouldn't to have, have someone, someone do it digging, manually. Digging. But Painfully digging into was, your fascia. I was like, so the back of my neck and right in the base of my spine and in my, in my shoulder blade really hurts. I call it my Asperger's hump. It's uh, it's whenever I have an emotional reaction to something I don't want to do. Right. Whenever I'm sad because I'm doing something I don't want to do. Right. Right. Grow up. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jackie. Anyway, but the, um, yeah. It's, so she worked on that and it's actually a lot better. Oh, mm. good. Sure. What the heck? But I do, I mean, I should, clearly I should exercise. We should all maybe exercise. Yeah. We need to just be moving the body a little bit. Right. I, I saw people running in the rain last night. My it's husband beautiful. and I, we went to the, we went to the market and they're running in the rain and my husband's like, show offs. <laughs> Oh my God. When I lived in Minneapolis and uh, there was something like 19 or 35 below without oh. the wind chill. And I was driving an 83, uh, Ford Escort mm. and I hadn't closed the hood when I had refilled the oil that morning as I did many mornings. Uh, cause it was keep it going. Keep, keep it going. going. Keep, it's an 83 Ford. I believe it was 1995. Bless its heart. Bless its heart for keep running. Mm. And, uh, the hood flew up and hit the windshield. And so I had to stop my car and I saw somebody run up and I was like, Oh, this nice man's going to put my hood down for me. He was jogging. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I guess I got to get out of the car. <sighs> Boo. Anyway, so let's do this. Let's yeah. talk about, uh, you, you're writing a, a memoir or did you, is it done? I, it's written. It'll be published in September of 2015. Of, of 2015. What's, yeah. Does it have a name or is it? It's a also called film? A Carlin Home Companion. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very nice. Based on the solo show, but 335 pages of it in That's depth, it. in depth. Are there pictures? There are pictures. That's it. There's good pictures. Somebody tweeted the other day something that really made me, really resonated with me. So he said, I may be an asshole, but at least I'm not in love with my own baby pictures. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Huh. Yeah. I'm kind of in love with my own pictures of myself yeah, as a child a little of, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed. It doesn't, cause even no I never wonder thought we're performers. As, yes. <laughs> it's like, even though I never thought I was good looking as a kid, you look back at it and you're like, it doesn't matter. 19 is still good. 19. Oh, absolutely. 19. You could be the ugliest 19 in the world. And you're like, uh, 19. You know what? And let me say that keeps going because I've been looking at my pictures of me in my mid mid thirties and you know, you're my, my mid thirties. <laughs> I 
felt, you know, not young enough and not beautiful enough and mm-hmm. not skinny enough. And I look now and I'm like, why would I even take that for granted for one moment? Right. Why didn't I just celebrate the joy celebrate. that was 36? So now I'm celebrating my 50, 51. Yep. Because at 70, I'm going to be looking back going, man, I was 50 and I had so much energy and life in me. Yep. And yeah. So I'm really trying to be really like here now with it all and not be... This has been a great episode of The Dork Forest, let me just say. I'm feeling more whole and in the present. Are you? Are you feeling right there? I am. It's very lovely. Yes. It's a, I gave you, see, I, I gave you the Tempest video game, uh, Atari. An, a, an Atari, um, uh huh. Uh, pint glass. I have a pint glass collection. <laughs> of course you do. Why wouldn't I? Of course. This is the Iron Fist. Mm. And then now uh, that's a New York subway thing. Anyway, so, uh, Falcon Theater, January 28th through March. First. First is your solo show. 25 episodes, 25 episodes, 25 <laughs> performances. I've never done 25 of anything and I'm going to be doing 25 performances. Is it on the weekends or is it weekdays? It's or? Wednesday through Sunday. Wow. Five weeks, Wednesday through Sunday. As if I was in New York on Broadway, but I'm not. I'm in Toluca Lake, but it'll, it'll feel Lake, like. It. But the Falcon Theater is a beautiful it's little theater. It's gorgeous little theater. Gary Marshall. Yes. Gary Marshall, by the way, when I did, the first year I did, uh, Last Comic Standing. Mm-hmm. He was one of the judges. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> there were quotation marks around they that. They do because they were not allowed to make right. any decisions. And, uh, cause NBC did. I think they changed fine. that. I don't they, know. Roseanne was on this year. I haven't talked to her about it yet. Right. And I think that they, they, the last two seasons, they were doing a nice job actually of trying to make it more like Top Chef. Yes, exactly. My favorite, my favorite episode was when they sent all the comics to Bed Bath and Beyond. I didn't see that. And one. they had to come up with like five minutes or something of prop comedy. Wow. And Carrot Top judged it. Oh, that's brilliant. It was perfect. Yeah. See, you were that's. Like, that's a real That's task. It. Yes, it is That's, a real Make yes. Will Durst and, judge your political comedy. Yes, make, yes. you know, make, uh, Brian Regan judge your dark, <laughs> linear, you know, like, right. observational comedy. Yeah. You know, how awesome would that That's, be? That, that, those are real tasks, yes. right? So Gary Marshall was one of the, it was him, Tim Meadows, is that right? Mm. Uh, could have been Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, uh, Law and Order guy, whatever. Dun dun. Uh, right, the the comic who's on Law and Order forever. Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer. Oh, that's it. A friend of mine. Um. Oh, guys. Yeah. Nice. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Uh. But he, he judged uh, you. They. I'm sure they all. They all judged me. I'm. I'm judging me right now. <laughs> so, but Gary Marshall said to me uh-huh. after my set, and they didn't air it because I didn't make the house. They aired Tim Meadows asking me where I was from. But Gary Marshall, for the love of the little tiny baby Jesus, I wish I had this on tape somewhere. Gary Marshall said to me, you're very talented. Guess mm. what? That's Gary Marshall talking out loud. Yeah. Right at you. That's happy days. Yeah. That's, uh, that's He owns the fucking theater. That's yeah. the reason I've told that story. Yeah. And, and I haven't course, met I'm him very... yet, and I'm looking forward. Because his daughter runs the theater. I'm looking forward. I, I hear during rehearsals, he'll tech week, in. he'll pop in. And he may give me notes. And I was like, I cannot wait for Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. Are you kidding? Hello. Pretty women. Hello. All of it. All of it. I know. It's exciting. There's no movie in the world that he's been in that he has not made better. A league of their own. Right. Uh, so many great cameo stuff. Yeah. He's just, uh, and I love Penny Marshall. Yep. And I love all the Marshalls. The Marshalls are lovely. I can't wait to meet them again. I've never actually met any you'll of them. You'll come to the Falcon Theater and you'll meet them. I will come to the Falcon Theater uh starting in, at the end of January. I'll be back in town in February and it goes till March 1st and that'll be great. Kelly Carlin, Kelly underscore Carlin on Twitter, kellycarlin.com. Uh, next September, buy the book. People, you've been wowed. I don't know. <laughs> I've never said that before, but it was really a good one. So thanks so much for listening, Rangers. And uh, you know the rules. Take care of each other out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?